Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Aguiar, and my goal is to show you how to have a fulfilling personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that is through Christ alone by the free gift of God's grace. It looks like 2021 may be as challenging as 2020, if not more. We need to trust in something that is eternal, that is not of this world. And that is Jesus Christ, our confident hope. I pray that as you hear this message, it will encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Seek the truth. Ask God to open your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what His Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the Word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. From the first century to now, the idolatry and evil God hates still flourish. God hates idolatry. He clearly told us this in the Ten Commandments, that he is a jealous God and not to have any graven image of any person or creature before him. Paul returned to Ephesus as it was God's will for him. Remember in yesterday's passage, the people of Ephesus begged Paul to stay, but he told them he'd return if God wills it. And God did. Ephesus was where the great temple of Artemis was. It was considered one of the great wonders of the ancient world. Who was Artemis? Well, I checked, I checked out Wikipedia and this is what they tell me. Artemis is the Greek goddess of the hunt, the wilderness, wild animals, the moon, and chastity. The goddess Diana is her Roman equivalent. Okay, so the Romans borrowed the Greek gods and changed their names. According to Greek mythology, Artemis is the daughter of Zeus and Leto, the twin sister of Apollo. She was the patron and protector of young girls and was believed to bring disease upon women and relieve them of it. Okay. Right, so make women sick so she can heal them. That's sick. And that's an event, invent, invention of people. People invented this to explain how people got sick and how people got healed. Artemis did it. Keep your mind open as I go through this, please, because this is a lot to think about here. Part of the worship at the temple of Artemis was temple prostitutes. So much for chastity. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Furthermore, there was a huge side business there in making and selling of statues of Artemis. Paul was disrupting the ability of these craftsmen to make money. Let's just say many people weren't happy. Let's dig in. We're in Acts 19 and this is Paul's third missionary journey. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. 
and they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. It's interesting that as these disciples started, they went in groups of 12. Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. As a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? <laughs> I can't help it. I have to laugh at this. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery, or the occult, brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. After that, he said, I must go to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. The Riot in Ephesus About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy, and he called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business, but as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded 
many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled. They began shouting, Greatest Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed the amphitheater and dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were shouting, some one thing, some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is a, an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have bought the, brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make formal charges, and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I am afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting for the Roman government, since there is, by the Roman government, hold on, let me start that one again, that's verse 40. I am afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, you know, because Rome, you know, this was a Roman Empire, this was just a province within the Roman Empire. Since there is no cause for this commotion, if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them and they dispersed. Wow, that was a lot going on there. <laughs> Here are some points to ponder. First, Paul clarifies the that the baptism of John is totally different from the baptism of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. That goes also for baby baptism in the Roman Catholic Church, as well as in many mainline Protestant denominations. Baby baptism doesn't save you. Salvation is only through Jesus. Two. Then there were these Jewish brothers who were trying to do an exorcism, but the evil spirit probably laughed at them, saying, Who do you think you are? I know Paul and Jesus, but who are you? They were using Jesus' name as an incantation, kind of like it's used today as a curse word. 
However, since they were not born again and didn't have the Holy Spirit in their hearts, it didn't work. Three, news spread quickly. It was at the Forum or the Agora, which was the central square in the middle of the city where everyone shopped. There was no refrigeration back then, so people had to shop daily for food and supplies. Paul and Jesus became the talk of the town. Four, people who practiced sorcery burned their incantation books. Once they became born again, they knew that all occult practices were forbidden by God. That actually also includes today's astrology. They were convicted by the Holy Spirit. Five, Paul disrupts the lucrative business of the craftsmen who manufactured statues of the goddess Artemis. One big corporate guy called all the other sellers and craftsmen to oppose Paul and this started a riot. Six, it's amazing that even today people get caught up in a riot and they don't even know why. Whether bad or good, enthusiasm is contagious. Too bad enthusiasm for the salvation of Jesus can't be as viral as enthusiasm for socialism. Seven, the mayor of Ephesus steps up and quiets the crowd. He says, Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis whose image fell down to us from heaven. And and that's an undeniable fact. Ew. (sighs) Amazing how the pagans bought the lies of these useless gods and goddesses. Have you bought into the lies of a church? So what are your most prevalent false gods? Who do you value or what do you value in your life before God? A fancy car, a big house, a cooler phone, a celebrity, prestige, success. Are you more concerned with how many followers you have on social media or that your friends don't comment or like your posts? Do you value material possessions more than God? If you're Roman Catholic, all those statues of Mary and the saints that you pray and light candles to are as false as Artemis and Zeus. Yes, they were, they were real people, but they were human. They died and are in heaven, presumably. I know Mary is, but if those saints were not born again, sorry folks, but your heroes are in hell. No amount of good works will save you. Salvation is only through Jesus. Only Jesus was God incarnate. He was God wrapped in flesh. If you are Catholic, if you bought the lie that pagan rituals, good works, sacraments, and going to Mass can save you, that somebody can buy or pray you out of purgatory, which, by the way, doesn't exist, you're headed for hell. That's the truth. Likewise, if you are pro-anything that God considers a sin or evil, if you follow today's culture before following Jesus, you may be headed for the same place. The good news is that it's not too late for you. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit, get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture,
which will come up in any day now. This is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart. If you don't know how to do that, if you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes. Or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And also, in my blog, at the bottom, I embedded a beautiful worship song called You Are God Alone, which is perfect for this post. So check it out. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24:14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.